Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Have you found the book of Revelation yet? It's pretty easy. It's right at the end. If you haven't found it by now, you may need to look on with a friend. Okay, Revelation chapter 12. <laughs> Verse number 7. You remember last week we, we, uh, we talked about angels on assignment, and, and this is one of the scriptures that we read last week, and so let's read this again. It says, and war broke out in heaven. Wow. Now, I love, uh, you know, things that are just so straightforward that you can't miss it, that, you know, it's not a mistake here you're reading this. Here, the writer of Revelation, John, the apostle, laid in his life, having received this revelation from Jesus Christ about things which were to come. Here, uh, uh, John is writing about a war that is, is breaking out in heaven. Michael and his angels, okay? Michael is the archangel of God. He is the prince of Israel. We read some last week that angels have names, they have characters, they have assignments, they have duties. And here the Bible tells us that Michael, who is the prince of Israel, who is the archangel of God, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Talking about Satan, that's the serpent, that's the devil. Okay? Uh, he is called a dragon in the book of Revelation, and he has explained who he is a little bit later. That old dragon, the serpent, which is the devil. Okay? Now, Michael and his angels, war broke out. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. You know, many times people imagine that, that once, you know, the angel shows up, once an angel from God shows up, then the battle's over. No, it might mean they show up for the battle to start. It might mean that, that, that it's just getting interesting and it's just about to break because the devil does not want to give up. The devil and his angels fought. They didn't just submit. They didn't just lay down. They didn't just quit. They fought. The picture we have of Michael and Gabriel fighting with the princes of the power of the air over Greece and Persia in the book of Daniel is a picture of a war, is a picture of a fight going on, is a picture that in that day the heavenlies were filled and even uh, ruled, as it were, by angelic forces of darkness. And they didn't just give up. You know, uh, Gabriel told Daniel that I have been 21 days fighting, trying to break through to bring a message to you, but I was resisted by the forces of darkness. We need to realize that angels are very, very real, and they are very, very busy, and they are doing God's work. And here, this is a picture of war in heaven. The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, they fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels, they fought back. Verse 8, but they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. Oh, there's coming a day when the heavenlies 
are no longer going to be an inhabitable place for the devil and his angels. So the great dragon, the devil, the serpent, Satan, he was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the world. He was cast to the earth, oh my goodness. And his angels were cast out with him, no longer having the freedom to go in and through the heavenlies, but now relegated to earth. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Verse 11. And they overcame that devil, that dragon, the serpent of old, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and the fact that they did not love their lives to the death. They were not ashamed or afraid of what was going to happen when they mentioned or testified or shared about Jesus Christ and the salvation that has come to all men. You see, today in many places around the world, if you stand up as a witness for Jesus Christ, you have just sealed your fate. You will be executed. Many times, Missionaries have been martyred, have been killed by the very people that they have gone to to witness to them. One such famous missionary that was killed by those he went to witness to, his name was Jesus Christ. <laughs> you let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> you know, he was killed by the very people that he went to share the gospel with. We could do no better. Who are we to shrink back from witnessing, especially many of us who have a free course as we have in a country that does not present to us you know, a, a, such persecution that we are afraid of being martyred if we witness for Christ or if we say something positive about Jesus or the church or uh, share the love of God. We are not facing what so many are facing and what these in the book of Revelation were facing. But they overcame the devil. And it's the same, uh, it's the same formula today, if I might, that will overcome the devil, that will overcome that serpent, that deceiver of the world, all the deception he offers and, and all of the, of, of the turmoil that he offers and all of the threats that he makes, the same thing will overcome him today as has in the past and will in the future. And that is the blood of the Lamb. You must be born again. You must have the blood of the Lamb in your life. 
It's the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and the fact that we are not ashamed of our testimony, nor are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation in the day of salvation. It is the power to deliver from darkness. It's the power to deliver from addiction. It's the power to deliver from sin and to set the souls of men free. Verse 12, therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Thank God that the tribulation of those days will not last forever. The devil knows he has a short time, and he wreaks more havoc in the days as they grow shorter and shorter, as he knows his end and his judgment is coming. Greater and greater wrath he exhibits. We concluded part one last week in talking about angels on assignment uh, by sharing four points that we wanted to ponder during last week. And I know that in the last seven days, these things have been on your mind, okay? I'm aware that, 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 that this has been, you know, a focus for you, okay? Uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek because I, I know that many times if we're not watchful, we fall into the category of leaving church and forgetting what we heard. That's what the Bible tells us, that the devil will come immediately you know, with all kinds of cares and all kinds of, of other things and distractions trying to get the Word of God to make it of no effect in our life so that we leave here and forget what manner of man or manner of woman that we are. So these are the four things. Allow me to just repeat them before we move on this evening. Uh, we talked about one point to ponder was in Hebrews 1 verse 14 that Angels are all ministering spirits. They are sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Angels, you have an angel that is sent forth to minister to you because you are an heir of salvation, and that's their duty. They are all ministering spirits. Number two, the second point that we were pondering this week comes from Matthew, the 8th chapter and verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. We wanted to make sure this week that we pondered on the reality that we better not be messing with no kids, no uh, young children of God. This implication is those that are newly come to the faith, those young disciples as well as children, that we want to make sure we pay special attention to their needs and raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord because to ne neglect a duty or indeed to harm one of those or lead them astray whether by example or by intent, omission or commission, it would be better for us, the Bible says, were a millstone hung about our neck and be dropped into the depths of the sea rather than to do something harmful 
or to offend one of these little ones. Meaning, as I said, not only children, but young disciples of Christ who at times are targets and are led astray by cult leaders or led astray by false doctrine and false teachers because they are so young, they are so immature, and they are so available for deception. It's important to realize that God watches with angels over these little ones they have an, and their angel does always behold the face of God an angel overlooking overseeing their angel whether it's a child or whether it is a young disciple in Christ someone newly come to the faith their angels have direct connection with almighty God face-to-face communication how can that be well it's because God is not bound by time as we understand it you know he can have 10 million conversations and not one second has gone past on the clock the third point that we were going to ponder so we could meditate on these points this week and consider how they would affect our lives so that we could put these things into practice and hold them dear concerning angels was Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 2. Be not forgetful, the writer of Hebrews says. Do not forget, do not neglect to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. We wanted to make sure that we didn't just you know, encounter strangers and treat them as though that they were not worth anything because many people have actually encountered angels whenever they thought they were just messing with strangers or, or uh, judging strangers or, or passing by them without any hope, without any intent, without any encouragement. You know, encourage people, especially strangers within your gates, strangers that come into your office, strangers that come into your world, into your business, into your school, strangers that come in, they may be messengers, angels on assignment. They may actually have a purpose in your life or in someone else's life, and you could be someone that helps facilitate a messenger from heaven. That's the word. And the last thing we were going to uh, ponder uh, uh, in, um, uh, this week in, in our points to ponder comes from Psalms 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear God, those who have a reverential awe for God. Now listen, this is one of the problems with American Christianity that we do not see in every nation where people are paying a price to come to Christ. But in America, and indeed in much of the Western world, we have almost lost an awe for God, a reverential fear. We've almost come to the place where we feel as though that the grace of God is a license for us or an excuse for us to sin. Forgive me, God, is one thing. Excuse me, God, doesn't work overlook this God you know uh, it's important that we understand that God is a God to be feared and that the angel of the Lord encamps round about those people who have a reverential awe of God that he is God that he is God whoa whoa God almighty God creator of heaven and earth 
you know, uh, nothing was created except by His Word through Christ, and everything is sustained by Him. And what would you do if He decided to send you to hell? To whom would you complain? Where would you take your appeal? What would you do if He decided to not love you tomorrow? He could. He doesn't have to. He does not have to listen to you. He does not have to receive your prayers. He is not bound by anyone else to do anything for you. He could give you to the devil. He could say, I care less. Who are we to thumb our nose at God? Who are we to treat him common? Who are we to treat him as though he's just, you know, um, just another box to check on our day, on our week? The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. And that angel is there to deliver them from trouble. Wow. Sad to say, not everyone who names the name of Jesus fears the Lord. It's a lifestyle of reverence to God. Boy, I feel like I'm preaching so good. You know, this is the truth. Come on now. I'm not down on America or the church or, or anyone else. We are not here to end up, to end the story pointing at the problem. We are here to end the story tonight pointing at the answer. Okay? It's not that Jesus came to shine a light and condemn the world. He came to shine a light to save the world. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 17. But God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Every message that mentions sin should end with an opportunity for salvation so that sin does not hold a person captive. But we need to recognize what sin is and what righteousness is and what salvation offers to us is to be free mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically from the clutches of sin. God has a plan. And the Bible says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and the fact that they did not love their lives at the expense of not sharing Christ because it might cost them their life. Each of us were encouraged last week to speak God's word over our lives this week. One of the reasons was it's because angels listen for the word of God to be spoken because it is a command for them. They 
do what the Word of God says when they hear the Word of God spoken in faith. That's what the Bible says. This evening, part two, we're going to focus on the power of our testimony. Providing you are a born-again believer and providing that you have the blood of Christ on your life, that you have been saved by the blood, that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all sin, providing that you have made application to God, that you have invited Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, and that blood has washed you and made you clean before God, then the next most powerful thing you have in your life in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is your personal testimony and your willingness to share it even though it might cost you a reputation or even your life. Your testimony is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your testimony is what gives witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, He was raised on the third day, and He is coming again. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that He will save every person who will call upon His name out of a sincere heart. They repent and receive Jesus, then they will be born again. That is the gospel. And our testimony bears witness to that gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not enough just to share something that happened to you if it does not bear witness to the gospel, if it does not agree with the word of God, if it does not give glory to Jesus Christ, then you are not finished with that test. A testimony is nothing more than a test that you took and passed. Make sure you pass it before you go telling it because if you hadn't passed the test, it's not a testimony, it's still just a test. Every testimony begins with a test, okay? And every test has the potential to become a testimony. But it is not the testimony of the gospel until you have victory over that sin, over that devil. You are in the middle of a making, and that's absolutely fine. And you can ask for prayer and everything else, but let me tell you, whenever you get to the place where you had victory over that, it becomes a bona fide testimony to the power of the Lamb, to the power of the blood of Christ, to the fact that the resurrected Savior lives on the inside of me. And though hell and the devils may break forth and the enemy come in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against them. That's the testimony that we had victory in the name of Jesus. The preponderance of scriptures concerning spiritual warfare, they teach us that we are waging war against the devil and his angels here on planet earth. The devil's angels, they want to rob us. They want to deny us and deceive us into believing that we do not have power, that we have no power over them. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We have been given a voice to use. We have a voice of prayer. That voice of prayer is 
what we use to talk to God and petition God. We have a voice of prayer, and our prayers concern uh, things that we want to talk to God about. We also have a voice of confession. The voice of confession is a powerful voice that we use to encourage ourselves, to encourage others as we speak the Word of God and hold fast to our profession of faith. As the weak says, I am strong. And as we declare the Word of God over our lives, the voice of confession is a powerful force. When we speak the Word of God, it puts things into motion. When we declare the Word of God, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips, and with the increase of his mouth shall he be filled. The Bible also says in Proverbs 6, 2, that you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken with the words of your lips. Psalms 141, 3 says, Oh, set a watchman upon my mouth, O Lord, and keep the door of my lips, so nothing perverse or unclean comes thereof. Oh, we could go on and on all night. Jesus made it plain. We have a, an ability to confess and profess. Hold fast your confession of faith. It is a, one of the legs upon which our salvation rests. The Bible tells us. That with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a powerful force in the earth. We speak to ourselves in, with confession, and others hear it, including angels on high who hearken unto the voice of the Lord and God's word to do his bidding. Release his angels on assignment. We also have a voice of confession so that the devil will know where we stand. We battle him with the word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit coming forth from our mouth. We have a voice of prayer. We have a voice of confession. And we have a voice of command. The voice of command is not a voice we use at God. We have no authority over God. Our voice of command is aimed at mountains. Our voice of command is aimed at demons, at devils and rulers of darkness and, and, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Jesus says, Behold, I give unto you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the abilities of the enemy. We have a voice of command, for if you say to that mountain, Be thou removed, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass, it'll move. Wow, we have a powerful voice of command and we have been told to command demons, devils, addictions, deceptions. We have been told to command those to bow their knee to Jesus. We have been told that we can cast out devils. How do we do that? With our voice of command. We don't do it with a prayer. Oh, devil, please come out. Oh, devil, I pray to you. We don't do it with our confession. There's no devil there. We do it with a, come out in the name of Jesus. You stop. You lay down. You get out of here. Go. Flee. Run. 
in the name of Jesus, by the authority, by the blood of the Lamb, by the name of my Savior. You have no right here. Get out. Stay out of my home. Get out of my finances. Leave my government alone. Get out of my nation. Stop deceiving these people. That's our voice of command, and it has power. There is power as well, great power in our testimony. Our testimony moves not only others, but our testimony seals the fate of demons and devils who would love to be a voice of triumph and love to create a different narrative or to make you shrink back into fear with no confidence to go forward. But our testimonies are encouraging, just as other people. How many testimonies did God record in this word? Almost every story is but a testimony. That's how powerful they are. Well, they carry the power of God to defeat the enemy, to destroy the work of the devil. My goodness, I... I my title was Testimony Time. We're out of time, and I didn't even get to all the testimonies that I had for tonight. Wow. 1 John 3, the second part of verse 8 says this, For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is the reason that we manifest Jesus in our testimonies, to destroy the works of the devil, and it will. It will destroy sin, sickness, worry, defeat, anger, wrath, sedition, heresies, murdering, drunkenness, revelings. It will destroy these things, shut them down. It will cut them out of our lives. As I said, Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto the death. Uh, wow. I met my angel one time, face to face. I believe in angels. I happen to have talked with my angel. We had a wonderful conversation. He told me several things, allowed me to ask him a question. And we laughed. And he told me what he would do. And he told me some things that he would not allow others to do to me in that place. And without the details, let me tell you that it was real, and it was proven to me later. A few months later, someone came onto my property in the middle of the night and stole something from me. That's one of the things that my angel told me. As long as you preach the God, preach God and the gospel of Jesus Christ in this city, no one will be able to steal from you. That's one of the things he said, because I was concerned about that. We were getting phone calls, and threats uh, not just on our lives but to burn our house down and those kinds of things because of 
demonic activity in that community that we were breaking, literally commanding the demons to leave that community. And in the middle of the night, a little Suzuki motorcycle that I had bought my four-year-old son. I don't necessarily encourage you to do that. <laughs> Found him over in the graveyard, jumping the graves. We lived across the street from it. And uh, in the middle of the night, someone stole it. Got up the next morning and went and, you know, I could see where they'd pushed it down and left. And we had a little approximately 36 inch by 36 inch front porch. And we lived off of the highway a little ways. And I ran back into that house up onto that porch, in my door and into my prayer room, I shut the door and I screamed my angel's name. He told me his name. I screamed his name very loud. And I said, you, you told me that as long as I lived in this city and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would not let anyone steal from me. I want it back. And I want it back now. You said. Now my prayer was not much longer than that. It couldn't have been, you know, 10 seconds longer than that. I turned around and still a little bit angry. Walked back out across perhaps a 10-foot room. Back out my front door and almost tripped over that motorcycle sitting right there. I had to catch myself. It was right there. I said, thank you. We lived well off the road. Then nobody had come up there. And my angel brought that back. I wonder what that, whoever stole it, I wonder what he felt like when that angel jerked it out from under him. That's not the last time. You know, my kids, we were, we were traveling and from Calais to Paris, driving down a road. They were teenagers, and the fog was so bad that we could not even see. And I said, hey, guys, let's ask God for an angel because I can't see and I can't pull over, and cars are passing us, and it was, it was a horrible, dangerous thing. And it was at nighttime and fog so bad. And I said, let's pray for an angel. God will send an angel. We prayed all four of us, that God give us an angel to help us. And a car pulled around in front and put on their rear fog lights and got right in front of us and drove us all the way almost to Paris. And then when the car took off, zoom, and literally just, we were on a straight road, outran us for the, for the moment, we broke out of the fog. And we looked everywhere for that car and couldn't find it. It was an angel. I was in Jerusalem, Brenda and I, one Ramadan many, many years ago, and we got covered by a mob and a crowd all around us, and they were, they were just literally, uh, we were being drugged and, and uh, didn't know where to go. We had been pu pushed down way. It was, a, it was a huge mob and a huge crowd, and, and uh, we asked God for help. God, give us, give us help, Lord. Send us an angel. And a man literally popped up. 
head and shoulders above everyone else. And he was about 20 feet in front of us. And he turned around and he looked and he went this, like this. And he turned around and walked and we followed him. And we made a right. You know, he made a right, we made a right. He made a left, we made a left. He wasn't there anymore and we were outside the city. We were outside the Damascus Gate. And we looked at one another and went, wow. And if you've been to the Damascus Gate, you know you can see everywhere. He was nowhere. It was an angel. I was sitting in my garage in Nederland. I had bought some shocks off of the internet, some air shocks, and I had jacked up my vehicle and taken the old shocks off, and, 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 and one of the wheels had fallen down lower, and I was trying to jack it up to get a new shock on, and there was no way I had been working for hours trying to get it the car down I, the, it wouldn't go up anymore it was just a gap and the holes wouldn't match up and and there was literally nothing I could do I'd worked all the and then I finally just chuckled and sat back and I said God would you give me an angel to help me I need an angel Lord I picked up that bolt tired as I was and scooted back up and went shoop, and it went right in, and I put a nut on it, and I said, "Thank you, Jesus." That may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. I have called on my angels more times than I can give you testimony, and I'm going to tell you that without fail, every time I have been helped, whether in a foreign country, whether in the U.S., with something simple, with something magnificent, angels are on assignment. Embrace a reverential fear and awe of God and realize that he has, he has angels on assignment. I, I've, you know, it's not kept me from having trouble, but I believe that every time I have needed something from comfort to grace to help to encouragement, that God's angel has been right there with me. I've felt their presence so many times. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, it won't always change the course of life, but it will give you a comfort and a peace. Amen. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him and delivers them from trouble. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.